Welcome to Bacon Cell, the place where your wildest dreams may come true. May. They will. No guarantee. We do not guarantee. No, Bacon Cell does not guarantee that your dreams will come true. There's a pretty good chance that your dreams can come true. Your dreams will come true. No, don't even give them that because there's a lot of weird dreams out there. There's a thirty percent surety of dreams happening. I take thirty percent. You did. You do thirty percent. I'd say we can guarantee thirty percent of dreams coming true. It's <laughs> probably thirty percent of people dreaming about us out there, right? I mean, so far we have like a fifty percent. You know, I would say track record with our shows and making them quality. 50%? Is that fair to say? So, so we're know. promising thirty percent dreams come true on fifty percent of the shows. <laughs> right now, there's a listener going. I only have to listen to half of these. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But find out which half. We're not going to tell you. Dun, dun, dun. Welcome to Bacon Sale, everyone. I'm Jacob, your moderator person, and you know what? Let's just give you back the host title. I've been feeling guilty in the past few weeks. Well, I obviously, you know, to be fair, I didn't really think there was much of a difference between moderator and host, and it doesn't really make any difference to me. I think a host brings food. Yeah. Did then you bring gonna, us any I'm going to stick with moderator then. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping for food. Yeah. All right. Introduce yourselves, guys. All right. I'm Kent. And I'm Joel. And we are nice and funny. And Bacon Cell. Um, oh, yeah. And this is Bacon Cell, as I introduced. Welcome. Won't the, you? The place where your dreams may come true. <laughs> it's going to be a wonderful show tonight. Yes. Well, we hope you listened to the last show, which was all about ranking Disney. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we have big news. Uh, we are officially on iTunes now. Yay! yay! And Stitcher. Sorry, I did and the Stitcher. woo instead of the yay. Yeah, we agreed on a, on a yay. Okay, one more I don't know what, okay. <clears throat> we're on iTunes. Yay! Oh. Oh. All right. <laughs> okay. But you can this, sus- could, this could get out of hand. <laughs> it could. You can subscribe to us on iTunes now. Uh, please go there to iTunes. Please rate us and review us. Yes. You know. This is the way we get the word out there is you folks out there. Word yeah, of mouth. We want to see what you think. Because our advertising budget is really low. N- not only do we want to see what you think, but we want you to give us a five-star uh, review. <laughs> so don't really if you tell give us a, what if you, you, you If you give us a five-star review, 35% of your dreams will come true. We will increase by 5%. <laughs> increase by 5%. And in fact, I think uh, Kent, you're, going, you're going to have to sing to some people because I did promise that they got on there and gave us a five-star review. If anyone's the singer here, it would be you. That's true. Yeah, but I, that's why I specifically said you because you don't sing. We want you to sing more. Although I basically sing oh, Bless Her Beautiful Hide at lunch. Do it, do it, do it. From Seven Brides from Seven yes, Brothers? Yes, I did. Why were you singing Bless Your Beautiful Because the, uh, sobbing woman, the sobbing woman came up in conversation for some reason. <laughs> and then I, you know. Started singing so, show tunes. Started singing. Well, when people wait, uh, what? How, comment did it, how did it go? On iTunes, exactly. I'm not gonna. Uh, no, just that's a te- it's a tease. This is a tease. They already have commented. Just give them a little. Bu- just bless their beautiful hides, Kent. <laughs> just a little. bit. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I'm nervous <laughs> now. You want to know why I won't sing? I want to sing it. You want to know why I won't sing that? Why? Because I was singing it wrong for the longest time. Just the tune. I was singing the tune wrong. And this girl got insanely angry at me. She's like, you're not even singing it right. Wait, what's now I'm subconscious. I don't sing it so I can know it. No, that, that's a trick. No, I'm, that's exactly okay, what I happened. Go. I go, bless her beautiful light wherever she may be. Mm-hmm. I didn't go low enough, but that's it. That's how I sing it. Is that's, that wrong? No, that sounded like how wherever I sing it. Wherever she may be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cutting that out of the show, by the way. <laughs> All right, today... I'm going to reference Ken singing the <laughs> whole rest go, of the show. Yeah, yeah. No so you kidding. can't cut it out. All right, we're going to talk today, everybody. We're going to talk about, well, geek culture invading mainstream culture. And we yeah. want to know a few things. Uh, well, we're going to talk about a few things because we're trying to figure out the truth of this, which is, is geek culture making us a little stupid? Because if there's one thing we focus on here in Bacon Sale, it's truth. It's truth. <laughs> yep. 
No, honestly, I already we have get the truth. real here, people. <clears throat> Listener, if you ever need the truth, you just listen to what I'm going to say, and then you just listen to these guys argue for fun or Google it. Yeah, yeah, just Google it's, it. It's the same. Google the way. truth. Yeah, it's really pretty much the equal. truth is out there. Man, Google the truth would be a great band name. Is there not a band with... I don't think there's a band called Google the That truth. is a good name. I'm going to Google it. Really Google it. I'm yeah. going to check isbandnameTaken.com. Trademarked. All right, so can't catch us up because this was instigated by the Simon Pegg can you Wait, can you trademark Google in your name? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure your band would last about a week and a half yeah. before you're, you know, you never show sued. Up. All right, Tanks Simon Pegg. Yes. Ken's going to do Simon Pegg recap. We're going to start this with Simon Pegg and go a little bit bigger. Um, so Nick Frost? Wow. Since he's a little bit bigger than Sam Is that a fat Pegg? joke? No. Physically, <laughs> yes and no, because physically Nick Frost is bigger than Simon Pegg. That's how they pair them. It's the Laurel and Hardy kind of thing going on there. The Mike Wazowski and Sully. It was Sully. a good joke. It was. It was a nice <laughs> save, I guess. Uh, it's truth. rude. Truth. Yeah, That's I, what this is about. Well, okay. So Simon Pegg is a geek god. We can just call him that, right? I mean, he it's is... pronounced Greek. Okay. He's one of the Lord of the Geeks. It has been since 2004, I would say. You know, he had Spaced beforehand. That's what I was going to ask. It, I well, mean, 2004 is Shaun of the Dead, but, I mean, Spaced, he was already kind of putting himself out there. For this... American audiences, it started, it started in 2004, I would started, say. It started, yeah. He wasn't probably at God level at that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not yet. You have Simon Pegg, who people have looked up to forever, and it's geeks because he has spoken out, and I will read these quotes in just a little bit, but about the power that geekdom brings that it's very it's individual you know it makes you it gives you a community as well and you should never be ashamed but then recently gave an interview to someplace <laughs> it was the, <laughs> it was the radio, radio times, times. Yeah. radio times he talked to the radio times and uh some quotes were maybe taken out of context but they were pretty full quotes taken out of context well no i mean they were pretty straight but i mean unless the, unless it was like hey simon say something the opposite of uh, everything you've said before and then he gives a big long paragraph okay actually i'm going to give his old quote first he says and this is about the liberation of geekdom he says being a geek is all about being honest about what you enjoy and not being afraid to dem- demonstrate that affection it means never having to play it cool and how much you like something it's basically a license to proudly emote on a somewhat childish level uh, rather than behave like a supposed adult. Being a geek is extremely liberating. It's a good quote. In yeah, fact, it's I, a great I'd, quote. I'd put that on a t-shirt. That, really, that whole quote? Re- take a lot really of, small font. A lot of time to read. Then people have to come up to my chest and just stare at it, and I'd be like, hey, I'm up here. And, <laughs> you know, that he probably gave that, what, maybe six, seven years ago? Uh, it, a lot has changed for Simon Pegg, I believe. Yeah, because he's gone beyond geekdom, and he's he's gone mainstream. I mean, he's in yeah. Mission Impossible. Star Trek is still geek, but it's mainstream, big blockbuster geek. Well, he's still doing genre films, but he's actually tried to do other stuff, and they haven't worked. Right. Like Hector yeah. in Search for Happiness. So uh, what has he done? What has he done recently? Let's let's nothing up. that's worked out. He in a recent movie, he was a hitman, and you know, just didn't work out. So he gave. He's, was he the guy from Taken? He was the guy from Taken. <laughs> Liam Neeson stunt double, really short now. Yeah, and about forty. Yeah. So I mean, what did he what did he say recently that sparked? Okay, us? so now he says this. He says before Star Wars, and he says the films that were box office hits were The Godfather, Taxi Driver, Bonnie and Clyde, and The French Connection, gritty, amoral art movies. Then suddenly the onus switched over to spectacle and everything changed. And he says, obviously, I'm very much a self-confessed fan of science fiction and genre cinema, but part of me looks at society as it is now and thinks that we've just been infantilized 
by your own taste. So that's like the opposite. Did he say infantilized or did he say anthropomorphized? (laughs) I got it. Well done. If you listen to our Disney show, don't try for five minutes to say anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphized. Is that it? I'm going to say that's it. Okay. (laughs) So he says, you know, we've been infantilized by our own taste. Now we're essentially all consuming very childish things. Comic books, superheroes, adults are watching this stuff and taking it seriously. And he says it's kind of a dumbing down in a way because it's taking our focus away from real world issues. Films used to be about challenging emotional journeys and moral questions that might make you walk away and reevaluate how you feel about dot 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 whatever. You know, he's still Simon Vegg. He's still gonna right, speak right. like Simon. Yeah. How did I, how did the world respond well, to this? Not quite done. Oh. He says, now we're walking out of the cinema, not really thinking about anything other than the fact that Hulk just had a fight with a robot. <laughs> Technically, it was the Hulkbuster, so Tony Stark was in it. So it wasn't just a robot. So Joel thought about it quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. And the last paragraph is, but I, I, but I sometimes feel like I miss grown-up things. And I honestly thought the other day that I'm going to retire from geekdom. I become the poster child for that generation, and it's not necessarily something I particularly want to be. I'd quite like to go off and do some serious acting. Simon Benedict Arnold Pegg. Benedict Cumberbatch? Benedict Arnold Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch. Pegg. I mean, this exploded on Twitter yeah. and on Facebook. I, it was insane. I saw it everywhere. And would you say people were mad? Were they agreeing with Well, him? it was a quick slew of everyone was beating him up and like, what the heck, you traitor. And then other people are defending him, which I was kind of prone to do as well because, you know, people take quotes out of context all the time and it's just not fair. But is it out but of context? Once when you go and read it, yeah, I mean, he's, pretty, he's being pretty straightforward. I mean, to say something like, I'm going to retire from geekdom. I'm not necess- I don't necessarily want to be the poster child for that generation. It's like the public puts you up there at- on the pedestal and said, here, you are the person that's going to represent the geeks. And then he says, you know what? I've got a lot of money now. I'm good. I think where he's at is I don't know how old he is. He's probably in his mid-40s, right? I'm going to find yeah, that out that right, right now. He's one day going to be 75 or 80 and look back at his career. And if he stays where he is now. Whoa. He's 45 years old. Well done, me. Wow. Hmm. But he's going to look back and he's going to say, well, I was only in genre films. I was never in that great movie that challenged people. And that's the thing. He'll retire and he'll be like, yeah, that, that was it. You think? Or do you think he's going to be like, you know what? I entertain people. I made people laugh. I'm happy with my career. He may, but at this point, he doesn't think he will be. But, I'm, but I, are you saying that an actor has to challenge people in order to really make a difference? Not an actor, but an artist. They have to challenge people. Yeah. They can't just entertain. Yes. All right, folks. Today on on Bacon Cell, we're going to challenge you. No more entertaining. We're going to be serious (laughs) and challenge you. We've already done shows. Let's talk about death. (laughs) But that's the thing. I mean, let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about (laughs) all the good things and the bad things. I was just going to stop it there. Uh, I kept going. Okay. But anyways, Simon Pegg is feeling like he's not challenging the audience. Uh, he, re- you know, references movies. Well, you know, they may not be our favorite. For example, French Connection, we both kind of think is a little overrated. Someday we'll find it. The French Connection. Sing it as Gene Hackman now, if you would. Gene Hackman? I don't know if I... That's not in my repertoire. <laughs> the lovers. The dreamers. That's, that's pretty good. Thank you. But for example, Taxi Driver. Well, can I tell you my, my biggest pet peeve, my, my biggest problem with that particular part of his argument okay is he says let me go back here to the quote before star wars there were films that were box office hit the films that were box office hits were the godfather taxi driver bonnie and clyde and the french connection 
First of all, the only movie I really like there is The Godfather. And secondly, he seems to be focusing from 1968 till about 1972. Well, That's apparently his his breadth of cinema. Well, it's dating him is what it's doing. It's like that was his probably young era or whatever. Well, yeah. He, but, yeah, he needs he to go back. He did say before Star Wars. Which, and there were not really blockbusters before. He couldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to mention a Hitchcock movie just because I need to. He's saying movies that were impacting impactful on him. I think that's totally fine. I which see is no fine, but he it. seems to imply that, hey, before – which, by the way, the first blockbuster, Jaws. That's considered the first blockbuster. Yes. 75. 77 is Star Wars, and yet still the highest grossing movie in 1979 was Kramer vs. Kramer. <laughs> wow. Okay. And, you know, keep in mind – People had bad taste yeah, back then. Jaws had come out. Rocky had come out. Kramer vs. Kramer out. isn't bad. No, it's not bad. But, it's not bad. But as but the highest grossing? He seems to imply that, you know what? It was all really good movies in the 70s, and then Star Wars came along, and then no, it all think changed. think about that. Think about that. I mean, I'm not saying the introduction of blockbusters were bad, but now you expect sequels to be in the top ten for the year, whereas people, by and large, went to for movies like Kramer vs. Kramer because they heard – Man, this is really good. This will challenge your thinking. And movies like Kramer versus Kramer did. And people, I would say, were smarter a little bit. Mm, yeah. No, You're, because you think about it. We, we've all watched a lot of movies previous to 1968 in this room. And I think we can all agree that there were some pretty silly and stupid and spectacle movies that didn't challenge people that won Best Picture. Well, Wings, the very first Best Picture. That's spectacle. It's spectacle. Well, that one's actually really good. It is good. It is That's good. Very well. I'm talking like though. Uh, right from the beginning. What's that? Oh, the greatest show on earth. Well, I yeah. like that one more than you guys, but it it really is just spectacle. It's it you know it's not challenging as much. Although Jimmy Stewart was pretty challenging as the mysterious clown who never took off his makeup. <laughs> Stupid. But he seems to say that 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 there were all these great movies before that, and not realizing that there were silly and stupid and you know commercially successful movies previous to that, and. That there are still today, but those Joel, dark, we, gritty, amoral. We never got art the movies. greatest show on earth: colon Age of Extinction. You I, know, I it would was, watch that movie. <laughs> you probably would. I would watch that movie. <laughs> you know, there weren't just mass-produced movies that come out once a week. In summer, now we get once a week. There will be a big blockbuster, and honestly, eighty percent of them are garbage. Well, can I? Can I? I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump to my final argument here. I guess. Really? Is Ooh. that I don't think they went away. I think they moved because honestly, who wants to sit in a theater with a bunch of other adults and sniffle occasionally and have deep thoughts? If you're going to watch something on a big screen, you want to watch a big movie. Okay, I agree with that. Whereas if you want to watch a drama, if it's about the story, it doesn't need the big screen. You get just as much story on the small screen as you do as you would on the big screen. But you don't get the same experience if you watch a big movie on a small screen. So what I'm saying is that the these dark, gritty, amoral Art movies are actually now gritty, dark, amoral television shows. If you look at the dramas that are on TV today, you get something like Breaking Bad. Granted, that was a little, that had a little bit of spectacle to it, but that is a dark and driving amoral drama that is powerful, and it belonged perfectly on the small screen. I mean, can you imagine watching that entire well, story unfold? Joel, on the I think screen? you're I think you're making his point. Is that Breaking Bad? It, you know, maybe in hindsight, in 20 years, will be a show that will be remembered as one of the best shows on television. Right. Because of what it did. It challenged you. 
Right. And just like these movies. And, there's, but they're still being made. That's what I'm saying. They're still being made, but they're being made for the no. small screen. Okay. I think you're you're changing his argument to being like, in this decade, things were better. He's just saying, look, maybe it's time to ask to be challenged. But isn't Joel saying we already are being and he's yeah. just missing I'm saying, it? I'm saying these challenges are here. They're just not on the big screen because the big screen is oh, not so a place. Oh, so you just think that the venue has changed. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That it's, it's not that they haven't gone away. They've just moved because, like I said, you don't want to watch us. Yeah, a big movie needs to be on a big screen. If you have a big screen, you want to fill it with, you know, big stuff. Whereas watching a drama, you do it in the comfort of your own home, you get an experience there. Mm-hmm. You get the same experience as you would. Like watching Psych or Supernatural. Really. <laughs> Shut up, Jake. <laughs> what? It challenges me. <laughs> Who invited Jake up? <laughs> <laughs> no, we invited him for one show and he stayed for eight more. <laughs> right, yeah, this bring, is my bring baby. Food, bring food next food. Bring food next time. Yeah, bring food. I'll bring food next time. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. So, but it's funny because, I mean, it's not funny, but this quote basically goes against his original quote where it says, it, you have a license to prou- be proud of something childish, whereas this one says... Well, why aren't we being childish? Can I ask you a challenging question, Kent? Yes. Since we're being challenging here on Bacon Sale. <laughs> no, I'll follow up with so a we can actually Please be don't bring up death. So we can be again. taken seriously as artists? No, I'm going to bring up death, but it's in a different form. Okay. Do you think that Simon Pegg has changed from what he was when he began? That fame has changed him into someone different? That the old Simon Pegg is dead and the new Simon Pegg has become kind of a, well, a snob? Mostly No. And I'm going to say it's not fame that changed him. It's age that changed him. He's always been proud of being a man-child. In fact, most of his movies, his TV show, celebrated that. In fact, I'm going to read that with his... His response. Well, that's the role he plays in most movies, honestly, is in the form of man-child. I honestly think he made that that quote because he wants to do something serious and be taken seriously. Well, and this is a problem I see in Hollywood a lot. And this is the... Comedic actors aren't as talented as dramatic actors. Baloney. It's total baloney. That they get these actors who sit there and, and work super hard to try to make people laugh. And then people are like, eh, you know, the awards and everyone are like, yeah, you're funny. Thanks for making us funny. Make, make us laugh, you clown. And then they give the award to someone who is staring off in the distance and has a single tear pour down his eye. And that's who gets the Academy Award. And I think that's a lot of comedic actors feel neglected. And they decide, I want to separate myself from this. And so I want to try something different i want to go into drama and that's where i'll be taken seriously as an actor which well, is baloney well that's the jim carrey method as well and i'm sure there's others he tried he didn't try he succeeded no well, well he did i was thinking of the majestic but you're right okay uh, uh, i'm sometimes. actually okay with majestic yeah i enjoyed majestic i'm sure you did jake but <laughs> i don't know what that means <laughs> me neither <laughs> uh, it's biting um but uh, truman show and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind well, I, Adam I, Sandler tried this as well. I mean, obviously he went back. And Adam Sandler succeeded no, both, in uh, Spanglish. I thought he did a great job in a dramatic role. You would like that movie. Oh. I do, because <laughs> yes. I, I like diversity. Next on the show, we have a fight between Joel and Jake. And it's mostly just, you like that. You're stupid. Yeah. Um, no, I think both Adam Sandler, to a lesser extent than Jim Carrey, I think Jim yeah. Carrey is far more successful. When Jim Carrey didn't get the recognition from the Academy... Because, remember, he won Golden Globes for Truman Show yep. and Man on the Moon. Right. And then the Academy said, 
we're not going to nominate him because he's Jim Carrey. Yep. Yep. Do you think? Can you imagine the laughing stock the Academy would have been if they would have said we give an Academy Award to Jim Carrey? We'll give it to Roberto Benigni. But we're <laughs> I mean, they, they're they're going to save their Oscars for more dramatic actors like Cuba Gooding Jr. and oh, Halle man. Berry. Yeah. But <laughs> but honestly, it kind of like scorned Jim Carrey. He went back to Fun with Dick and Jane. Yeah, he wrote really after terrible movies. To be Andy Kaufman and has never come back at this point. Uh, he should have stayed serious, I thought, in terms of dramatic acting. He, he is awesome. He should have just kept going. And now he's a hack. Dumb and Dumber 2. You know, and Adam Sandler's the same way. Well, he could have done Dumb and Dumber 2 if he'd been acting in dramatic roles for a decade. You yeah. know, then he could have came back, and that would have been fun. Mm-hmm. That would have been funny. But instead it was like, oh, I guess I'll get a paycheck. Yeah. So Simon Pegg... <laughs> Obviously, he's very aware of what social media is saying, and he doesn't want his fans to Even though to he checked that. out. No, he, well, honestly, he, uh, when he checked out about four months ago, he was making a lot of political statements and angering a lot of people. And I think that's the thing. He started taking notice of what's going on in the world, and he started getting very vocal, and his fans were like, shut up, tell us a joke about Star Wars. <laughs> well, and he does that too. Well, it's like, these guys are stormtroopers. I'd like to point out Cher also won an Oscar. And uh, <laughs> Renee Zellweger. And Joel doing research. There's Roberto Benini. Kim Basinger won an Oscar? Yeah, oh, for Ellie Confidential. Right. Yeah, great yeah. role. Nicolas Cage won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sorry, I'm, just, I'm over here just getting angry at this. Okay, let's talk about Simon Pegg's follow-up response. Okay, so he, he did, he's not on Twitter anymore. No. Because, you know, you get a lot of hate. And he, imagine, qu- he quit a while ago. He did. and Well, he quit, but didn't he give just give the reins to someone else and say someone else is going to be tweeting him? Just it was a fan site. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he came out and he said, look, my big mouth got me in trouble. And I kind of just summarized in like yeah, about three paragraphs here. I'll just read them over. But he says, nerd culture is the product of a late capitalist conspiracy designed to infantilize, once again, the con- anthropomorph- anthropomorphize <laughs> the consumer as a means of non-aggressive control. So he's coming right, He's coming out swinging. He's saying, I'm not saying you're a child. I'm saying wear, capitalism is If you evil. wear a Doctor Who t-shirt, he's saying people are taking advantage of you. And he goes on to say, and this is where he talks about Spaced. He says, in the 18 years since we wrote, re, we wrote Spaced, this a- extended adolescence has been cannily co-opted by market forces who have identified this relatively new demographic as an incredibly lucrative wellspring of consumerist potential. Suddenly, here was an entire generation crying out for an evolved version of things that they were consuming as children. This demographic is now well and truly serviced in all facets of entertainment, and the first and second childhoods emerged into a mainstream phenomenon. Uh, the point of all this, just to get my position clear, I'm not out of the fold. My passions and preoccupations remain. Sometimes it's good to look at the state of the union and make sure that we're getting the best we can get. On one hand, it's a, uh, it's a wonderful thing. Having what we used to be f- uh, fringe concerns suddenly ruling the mainstream, but at the same time, these concerns have also been monetized and marketed, and the things that made them precious to us aren't always the primary concern. Now, do you think that this is a clarification, or do you think this is a backpedal, 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 backpedal? Clarification. It doesn't feel too backpedally. It feels backpedally to me. Well, maybe I, a little. I think he said but... this stuff actually in frustration, and then when the world revolted against him and said, hey, we're going to take away your paycheck, he started saying, uh, no, no, no. I mean, I don't think he's completely, I don't think he's completely switched position no, in the first place, I think... but I think his real feelings came out, and then when he realized, oh, that's going to hurt my career... Yeah. He came out with this. I just think he's grown up. I mean, he talks about it here in Spaced. Spaced is a show created by Edgar Wright, Jessica Hines, and I think it was Jessica Peck. Tandy, actually. It was Jessica Tandy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very different show. Didn't she uh, win an Academy Award? It's a spinoff of Batteries Not Yeah, included. she did win an Academy Award. Uh, so 
the three of them created Spaced. And if you haven't seen Spaced, please go see Spaced. It is basically Shaun of the Dead, the TV show. And it's but so, with so zombies. Good. And it's basically Simon Pegg in his 20s saying, I'm never going to grow up. And, I'm a Toys R Us kid. And, and I'm a Toys R Us kid. This is awesome. And that's what the show celebrates. But he says, it's been 18 years. Things have changed. Yep. But just because he grew up, does, does that mean everyone has to grow up? No. And I don't think he would say that. I don't think he would ever tell force someone to grow up. I, he just says you're going to stay in your infant state. He, yeah, he's basically saying there's a first and a second childhood. It's great that we can all get whatever geeky t-shirt we want. But should we? You know, he's saying be careful that what you like isn't watered down. And because I think he believes everything is watered down now. So does commercialization, I mean, can we agree commercialization, especially with geek movies and things, is that watering it all down? Okay. Hmm. First okay, of all, that's, that's a real question here. I'd like to point out something right here out of the gate is that these are not, this is the livelihood of these studios. They are in it to make money. Yeah. If they wanted to be an independent art film, they wouldn't be a studio. And so getting mad at people for doing their job that people are paying to see is kind of ridiculous. I mean, think about it. If they said, you know what? We're just going to do this film with no budget, not pay anyone. No one to go see that movie. They, people want to see these big blockbuster movies. People are paying them, which means people want to see them. Yeah, no, it's true. And honestly, we wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for geeky stuff. Thank, and you. We, Thank be, you, geeky stuff, wherever you are. We'd be reading quotes from celebrities who are serious We'd now. We'd be challenging you. <laughs> no. Let's read some Chaucer together, shall we? <laughs> but that said, I think there's still a balance. And I think that's what he's saying as well. Um, and I've got to say, I'm kind of a hipster geek. Like, for me... I don't like going to Comic-Con and seeing every kid there wearing bow tie and a fez and being like, oh, I like the same thing that that seven-year-old likes. Yeah, because it, it's, it's terrible when people all come together on a topic and say, you know, we can agree this is fun. <laughs> now, I like your sarcasm, <laughs> and I, but there is a sense of community where people can go to a function and say, I'm not alone here. Even though I just walked out of my basement and I just sprayed on my Axe body spray or whatever – there's a room full of people of people here that that are like me. And I think that is very inviting. But I'm just saying, you know, and going back to me, it's I'm like I like something that everyone else likes. It just feels easy. I I have a problem with the marketability of everything as well. I don't know. I think I like being like, "Hey, I like ba- Babylon 5, which I don't like Babylon 5." And I like I would search out things that people don't like on purpose. <laughs> Like Babylon 5, maybe. Can you tell me about your childhood, kid? <laughs> tell me a little bit more about your mother. Well, you know, there's this one time where I was wearing uh, Stussy so and uh, Gerbos, and then I got made fun of for being trendy, and no, then I decided I mean, to go stage crew. It's the nature of people to be like, to like something. Then when everyone starts to like you, start going, well, you know, I don't want to follow the crowd. But, I mean, what what is the problem with conformity? What's the issue there? Why do you need to always be against something? Does it stifle like creativity? It? If everyone falls in conformity, then well, I mean, if it's forced conformity, but if it's voluntary conformity, well, even then voluntary. you get fan fiction, and that's amazing. <laughs> really, <laughs> it's that we have Fifty Shades of Grey uh, at this point. Yep. Don't bring that up. Thank you for bringing Fifty Shades of Grey. Joe. I didn't. You did. No. You inadvertently brought that up. Yeah. No, I think I brought up fan fiction, and then both of your gutter minds went into Fifty Shades of Grey territory. <laughs> Jake actually wrote some chapters. They're awesome. Yeah? Yeah. They're the most legendary chapters, for sure. 
which is tough. <laughs> Real tough. But Good writing. Is there anything that you like that everyone else likes? Yeah. I mean, for example. Name something you like that everyone likes. Doctor Who. Not everyone likes Doctor Who. I think. I like, Doctor, I, like, I like Doctor Who. You like Doctor Who. Jacob. Yeah. I think. Every- In this room, we've already found someone who doesn't like okay. Doctor Who. That's good, I guess. But it's Send it's- your hate mail at BaconCell.com to Jacob. <laughs> I know I really get hate mail for just that noise. What noise? Meh. Yeah, you you might actually. It's good. There's definitely some good stuff in there, but I think you guys have to go through a lot of boring stuff to get to the good in Doctor Who. But different topic, very different topic. Send your hate mail to baconzell.com. Did you? Yeah, we should probably have a Doctor Who show. We should have a Doctor Who show. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Is like I I just want to see something that you like that everyone else likes that you've accepted. Like you know what? I like it, and I don't care if everyone likes it. Mm. Is there anything that's kept your love even though it became popular? Seinfeld. I mean, Seinfeld's always been popular. I mean, I'm not the first one to discover yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah, but you haven't hated. But everyone likes Seinfeld. And you haven't yeah. stopped and liking so you still it like because Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld likes it. Yeah, if, if nothing else, it's the 90s that well, have, you know, ruined Seinfeld for me. Christopher and, Nolan. I mean, I mean, he still likes Dark Knight. And everybody likes Dark Knight. People, no, more people have gone away from the Nolanized method of filmmaking. You know, Which is making good movies? What? No, people Who's have an that? issue with it. They're, it's so dark. It's humorless and yada, yada, yada. I don't understand to the Joel it either. Too long. <laughs> yes, I really have. He's like the single voice. I'm like, everyone I know, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> he only knows the three people in this room right now. You know, granted, I have my issues with Marvel, and I see that as mass consumerism. And I see, as I've said before. Did you ever like Marvel? Uh, comics. It, it, but mostly it was X-Men. It was Spider-Man. I never cared for the Avengers. And the movies have done nothing to change that. And then, but I see, I see these movies making one point five billion dollars, and I go, man, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Well, and I don't, I, I don't understand how Transformers Spectacle. continues to be such a success when I don't. I've only seen the first one, and then I was like, yeah, it's not for me. And then they keep making money. I don't see how Tyler Perry movies make money because it's not for me. But there seems to be this this. Every time there's a mainstream movement of like, yes, we all love this and accept it, there's inevitably going to be people to be like, meh, I'm over it. Yeah. And I think you fall into the, yeah, I'm over it category. You definitely hit that with Marvel pretty fast even. But I think people are catching on as well. I think people are like, yeah, it's been 11 movies now and it's, we're getting the same kind of movie. It's almost like the Pixarization you know, of Pixar. I mean like by the 11th, 12th movie. You mean the improvement of Disney so that they had to catch up to it? I would say almost the decline of Pixar up until this year, from what I hear, is that, you know, just kind of went downhill and people are like, oh, okay, it's, it's another one. I think you're losing your creativity here and it's not as original. And people like originality, people like explosions, and I think explosions usually win out. They do. Well, and destroying buildings. Yeah. I don't want to see another building destroyed in a movie this summer. I think summer. it's time to stop. <laughs> I mean, I, but how, how else will they do a superhero movie without putting a major city in harm's way. Well, they need to just go somewhere else. Well, it here's... No, it's not another, like, let's not go to planet Xanadu, like in Guardians of the Galaxy. And <laughs> they... Xanadu. Keep going? I don't want to do that. I don't... <laughs> well, you know, because there's, then, then there's no threat. Well, that, that's what didn't work out. They didn't, they didn't make that a real place. It was just like some random well, planet. it's all due to writing. It, I'm trying to honestly think of a... You're blaming the Hollywood machine on the writers? Yeah. That's on the producers. <laughs> The writers, from what I hear, the writers will submit a script and then the studio says, can you make it more, you know, marketable for toys or something like that? And they have to change their script to the point where they barely even recognize it. And honestly, I think that brings us back to Simon Pegg. And I think 
a lot of his anger, especially when... Is that he, who we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, I guess so. I thought we were talking about hashtag Kent hates everything. A lot of his anger, I really think, comes from Edgar Wright and the Marvel experience. Edgar Wright went in there as a writer-director for Ant-Man and had grand ideas. Joss Whedon even said this is the best script Marvel has. This is the most Marvel of any script. And Kevin Feige, head of Marvel, said, no, change this. No, change this. So that wasn't... Make this tie into Avengers 3. And Edgar Wright's like, no, this is my baby. I've been writing this for 10 years. No, change this. And he says, oh, well, I got to get out of here then. If I can't make the movie I'm going to make, I got to get out of here. So in that way, producer, yes, stepped in, changed it all, mm-hmm. and made it carbon copy. And that's what I have a problem with. None of these movies are challenging because they're all the same and they're all same and good but what would make them challenging i'm trying to figure out what you mean by challenging what could they do in a marvel movie that would be challenging uh it's a movie about superheroes at this point i don't know add some drama let's say let's say you get put in the next you you and edgar wright get put in charge of the next marvel hero or you know an anti-hero has been done by what in marvel iron man is essentially an anti-hero he's a jerk he's getting there now but not really they make him a good guy still yeah but he's an egomaniac, and he makes some bad decisions. No, he's basically a flawed hero. That's all. It's not. It's different than an anti. Yeah, that's true. So you're talking more like the hero. Punisher. Let's get the Punisher back. Can we remake the Punisher? <laughs> yeah. Let's get Dolph if, Lundgren back. Only if John Travolta will be in it. Oh god! Don't put John Travolta in anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see his fat old face on one more movie. Whoa! <laughs> well, we found a quote for this episode, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, Joel. What do you think? It is do you think geek culture is? dying off or is it just is this mainstream geek culture just going to continue to keep going and going and going no i think well i think we're reaching critical mass okay. these these trends can only hold out for so long i i said this before to you guys but i feel like the, the superhero genre movie right now is like the western genre movie in the 50s and 60s where it was everywhere and everything there was always a western coming out and everyone mm-hmm. loved them and then in around the 70s, they kind of started to fall out of favor. And then in the 80s, they kind of died off. And then we didn't really get one again, except for the occasional Clint Eastwood venture. And I think yeah. that's what's going to happen. I think we're, gonna, we're not going to look back at the superhero time and be like, what were we thinking? But it'll be like, oh, yeah, they were really into superheroes back then. Mm-hmm. That's what the historians are going to say, you know, 50 years from now. They'll look back at this time and say, and, and they'll also have some theory as to why. That's one thing I always find interesting. They'll, is, they'll say post 9-11. Well, I mean, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, we, if we had a hero, would it have happened or something like that? But they do that all the time with like, um, I mean, talking about zombie movies, for example. Mm-hmm. And also with a lot of superheroes, radiation was the big thing because they were scared of the bomb. And so then it was like radiation is the thing. That's the fear. And so they played on that by saying radiation t- turns people into zombies. Whereas nowadays, it's viral infections. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're afraid biological of. Biological yeah. warfare. That's what we're afraid of now. And so that's why they turn the horror movies into that. And so the superhero is some sort of subconscious thing where we want to play on that. But let me jump into something else yeah. here. Yeah. Is uh, saying that he's saying I want these gritty, amoral uh, dramas in film. I want to see. I think he, there was one quote. Let me jump back here, see if I can find it. But it's where he says, I think we had more people tweeting about, there was probably more discussion on Twitter about the Force Awakens and Batman versus Superman trailers than there were about the Nepalese earthquake or the British, gener- uh, British general election. Yeah. Which, I, first of all, I don't know if that's true because there was a lot of Twitter activity about Nepal. And Twitter has become a driving force of news mm-hmm. to the point where people are able to communicate. You, you see news on Twitter before it ever breaks online on a, on a regular yeah. news source. Granted, it, it, you have to wait for the dust to settle down before you get the facts straight, but at least you get the idea that something's going on. 
He's saying there that, you know, and also I don't think anyone really cared about the British general election unless you're in Great Britain. Sure. Just saying. Yeah. But he's saying that we don't see these important amoral issues on the screen. And I'm like, that's because people don't go to movies to be presented with what they're already dealing with in real life. People go to the movies to escape. And what better way to escape than have this fantasy about superheroes that don't exist in real life? I mean, we have all these sad endings in real life. Why not go see a happy ending yeah, instead that, of that's watching? That's a cycle, though. It's not always people wanting to see happy movies. No, no, no. Some point people want to go see Kramer versus Kramer during that era. Right. Are you, know, you like, saying it doesn't have a happy ending? Did you just spoil Kramer versus Kramer for everyone? <laughs> Way to go. That's the French connection. No. When Dustin Hoffman flies off in the end of the sunset with his new superpowers, I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. But but I'm I'm saying I don't think it always needs to be a happy ending. I'm not saying that because some of my favorite movies, my sister-in-law in particular, uh, she calls – every time I show a movie, it seems that everyone dies. And so she calls those movies where everyone dies a, a Joel movie. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is – you're the, the last person yes. I would associate with bad endings. And it's just because I'm like, you got to see this. You got to – no, it's not a bad ending, but like, you know – can I talk about him without giving spo- spoiler alert? The Do depa- it. The Departed. Yeah, I showed her that one, and she was like, "What the heck? Why would you show me that? Everyone dies." And I'm like, "Well, it, it's 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 a you no." Know, uh, that was pretty much my excuse. <laughs> you just I, kinda, I had very nothing. compelling excuse. You deflated I had it at the end. I did because I don't think there always needs to be a happy ending. But at the same time, I think that that movies are escapism. If we want politics, if we want real life drama. Then let's watch the news. Well, okay. But I think there's a balance there. And to go along with Leonardo DiCaprio, let's say Shutter Island. Right. Probably not a really happy ending, but it's a no. progression of character that when the end happens, you go, oh, yeah, makes sense. But then you go, hey, I could interpret that and the movie several different ways. Like I, that movie could mean this or it could mean this or this might have happened you know, but the fact is that a movie can make you think about it. Like, I love movies I can go see twice and understand better the second time or third time. Because to me, that's depth. Wherever a movie I go where Hulk's punching a robot, you know, I go, does he ever actually punch Ultron? Have you ever gone on a roller coaster more than once? Do okay. you enjoy a roller coaster more than once? Do you go, do you go only, on Colossus the Fire I, Dragon I and be like, I'm done now? Really? Is it every show we have to talk about Lagoon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up again. But I'm just, you, see, you seem to have this, this uh, expectation of film that you don't have for any other source of entertainment. Do you listen to the same song more than once? A roller coaster takes about 90 seconds. A movie takes two or in, uh, let's say ninety minutes to an hour or two and a half hours. Do you hold the same standard to books? Yes. Do you read the same book more than once? Do you know what I actually do with books? I I'll read something. You use them to prop up your TV. I do, and then <laughs> then all of a sudden I feel bad for Dostoevsky. I'm like, <laughs> you do not have any Dostoevsky. I do. So the, what? I'll, you know, well, you I'll actually That's I'll challenge stuff. myself and I'll read uh, finally read Crime and Punishment uh, and I'll do it. And I'll get through it and I'll be like, okay, I feel like that is like a bucket list thing just knocked off. It's a marathon and run. And then That's I will read. Book, by the way. No, is it really? Not. It is, yeah. Your favorite book is Good Night Moon. You told us that before. <laughs> <laughs> but then right after reading that, I will read this palate cleanser. And it could be seen as, you know, maybe Crime and Punishment was a palate cleanser. I'll read a Dean Koontz book. Just because <laughs> I need something so simple. Right. That I'm just like, okay, let's just get this over with. I need to forget about, you know, Russian poverty for a while. So you're saying it's okay to have a mix then? It's a mix. Exactly. I would agree with you on that point. I think – and that's what I, I think the pendulum maybe has swung over to blockbusters, maybe a little too much. But I don't think it's right to say that we shouldn't have these blockbuster movies, that we shouldn't have these fun, pure entertainment movies in addition to the more challenging media. But I also don't say that all the challenging media has to be in film. 
We don't no. need to see those on the big screen. They could be on the small screen. Mm-hmm. I'm good with the drama, with the drama on, on the small screen. But, I mean, his point is coming true, though. I mean, like, look, I know we enjoy superhero TV shows and movies, and I think that's kind of where I'm sticking with this argument is, you know, we could talk about sci-fi, but I think it's superhero movies that are killing everything. And TV shows, they're like... You're that kid? Your superhero movies are killing everything. killing everything. Cities in in disarray. Plants are dying because of superhero (laughs) movies. Indeed. So, but like TV shows, like TV networks are being taken up by superhero shows, which I enjoy so many of them, but I'm like, where's the originality? There are going to be two Marvel movies, two DC movies, one Fox movie, and one Sony movie, superhero movie, Every single year. Yeah, I saw the schedule, and it goes all the way out to like 2025 or something yes. like that. It's insane the amount of and I think ahead. we're So how long until people buck? I think we're three to four years away from people going, ah, no, nah, I'll take my kid, I guess, but I just don't care anymore. Yeah? I mean, do you think they'll fall out of favor? I mean, that, I, mean, I think come Infinity War, which is 2018 and 2019 for those two parts, people will go, hmm, Robert Downey Jr. is not in this anymore, and I really <laughs> like following him. I uh, no, I'm he's out. I'm out. Infinity War. But do you well, know why? They'll pay him. They'll keep going. But no, he and uh, uh, what's his face, Chris uh, Evans. Chris Evans will be out. Hmm. I mean, they've already set up this oh, new yeah, Avengers. I heard about Chris Evans, but I thought Junior. Yeah. Was oh, Robert Downey Jr. tried to get out of Iron Man three, and then they paid him fifty million dollars to appear in Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Like, in, this is what's crazy. Robert Downey Jr., who has been a mess <laughs> a lot, and then came back with an indie film. And did a few indie films, came back, then did Iron Man. What was his comeback indie film? It was called The uh, Singing Detective. Ah, That's right. uh, With Mel Gibson. And he actually credits Mel Gibson with bringing him back from (laughs) sobriety, yeah, Yeah. into sobriety, which is kind of ironic and everything. (laughs) It is. Mel Gibson's not a drunk. He just has anger issues. Just issues and everything. He's kind of a drunk. But... He drinks. And actually, Robert Downey... He's an Australian, Kent. (laughs) (laughs) Is is that the thing? Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is the thing. But he did all these indie movies, and then he's doing, you know, Iron Man, and he keeps going. And then actually, Iron Man 3 says, yeah, I want to do movies where I'm taken more seriously. And then he'll do something like The Judge, which doesn't do well. Because it's not that good. Because it's not that good. But he he promoted it like crazy. It didn't do well. And then he recently went on record to say, I'll never do an indie movie again. Only big movies from now on. Much like, like he said, I'll never do. He'll never do Iron Man again. And kind then, of, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm like, you're selling yourself short, buddy, because you're going to pull a Johnny Depp, where people are like, oh, I hate you. Is this character again and again and again? And then maybe an indie movie could be did the, you see, the saving grace. Did you see Johnny Depp in that latest role? And the, I think that's going to be the resurgence. Is the yeah. Black Mass trailer or the yeah. Black Mass movie? Man, he looked really creepy in that Because one. he's acting. It's not just that. the same character. It's not just another variation of weird... It's not just a pale character with a high-pitched voice? With a wig and whatnot. Oh, eyeliner? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to have that, especially if he stays in this Avengers universe. Could so be. I'm saying everyone here needs to balance. <laughs> That's kind of my, my point. But the- Fans, actors... Writers. People keep putting so many problems on Hollywood. Hollywood is the issue. Hollywood is doing this. Hollywood is doing that. It takes two to tango. And there is a paying audience for this. You want to know why they keep making these superhero movies? It's because they have a built-in audience. They know that if they make... Uh, I'm trying to think of a random Black Panther, a Black Panther movie, that those Black Panther comic book fans are going to be like, I will be there. 
No, it's they're not looking for Black Panther fans to be there. They're looking for Marvel fans. And not even Marvel Comics, Marvel movie fans. Right, but I'm saying if we want Hollywood to change, we better stop paying for all these. Because they're making money, and so they're going to keep making them. There's no way we can put all the blame on Hollywood because... We're still consuming What do you think that I try to do with every single review I write (laughs) is don't go see this. Don't spend your money here. And yet people do. And there's no way. So you have this small minority saying, hey, we want to see something different. And then you have the vast majority saying, I'm paying for this because I want more giant robot smashing buildings. Do you think there's something to the amount, the demographic of people, though, that's watching that don't watch movies as much as we do? You know, that they just, they watch, what, two movies a year or something? I don't know. know? And then they're like, oh, yeah, let's go see another one of those superhero movies. Those are fun. Yeah, throw some popcorn back. And they don't have anything to compare it to. They're like, so you're saying they don't have the depth that we do of film? (laughs) Yes. Well, or or the jaded Shout out episode three. (laughs) I would say that. I would full on say that. Uh, no, I think the people are going to the movies there. more now than ever. Well, not more than ever. No, in fact, last year was one of the lowest movies. Uh, well, what I mean is that us. people go to movies much more commonly now. It's no longer, hey, let's get dressed up and go out to the movies. It's like, hey, there's a movie theater down the street. You want to go get that? Okay, let's go do that. No big deal. Mm-hmm. It's become a common thing. And so I don't think these people, I think people are watching movies more regularly, whether on streaming or in the theaters. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. That people are watching movies and they're watching the movies they want to watch, which seem to be these big blockbusters. They're called blockbusters because there were people lined up around the block when they came out. And it's really hard to debate this because we could talk about – I think we're mentioning blockbusters and kind of saying that they're But not dumb, blockbuster video. Right? Oh, no. Oh, Moment of silence. Peace. Moment of silence. Okay. And we're good. Yeah. We're talking about blockbusters as if... That's, that's a podcast idea right there. What did your local blockbuster turn into? Mine's a fitness. Fitness in yeah. 24-hour fitness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out. It's like the direct opposite of what it used to be. Yeah. We used to encourage sitting around. Now we want you to run for a half hour. Boo. Uh, blockbusters can be smart. In fact, people can love... You, can you name a smart blockbuster? Edge of Tomorrow. Great choice. Mad Max. <laughs> I don't know about smart... It is smart. What it did? How is it smart? It's how not is like it not it's smart? Cranial. It's just the the choreography of that movie. The fact that they manipulated all those explosions to actually be like a savory experience and not just a jolt to the senses. A what and to the senses? A jolt. Oh, I think it's a jolt. A jolt. Go. It's not just a jolt to the senses. I was going to get after you for that. I think that could be a term from now on. <laughs> and the characterization. I mean, the fact that people are talking about Mad Max, and in fact, Simon Pegg did reference Mad Max and Ex Machina as two sci-fi movies that he's just, he can't stop thinking about because he still cares about the genre. He just wants it to be better. But that's him. And, and honestly, and, and this is where I was going, and this is going to sound like the opposite of everything I've ever said on this show. But I like Pixar <laughs> and dogs. Marvel knows what they're doing. Like, they, they're making good movies. That's what I'm saying. And by the way, when I say good, that's kind of a backhanded compliment. They're making good enough movies mm-hmm. so that fans won't really get tired of it for the next few years. Because they don't want to rock if the If they boat. were making Spider-Man 3 again or Iron Man 2 again and again and again, people would be like, and we're done. Right. But they're not doing that. Because they know their audience, because they know what they want, because they don't want to to rock the boat and go against the formula because, quote, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah. And as long as they keep making money, they're going to keep churning them out. And so I'd I'd like to imagine that you and Simon Pegg to run up to the top of the hill with a flag and weigh it and saying, now is the time that we will not watch any more bad movies. And Hollywood will change. Nick Frost will be there too. But that's not going to happen. 
it's it's the minority voice now saying we want something more challenging. And it's the majority saying, we like what you're doing, keep making it because we're going to keep paying. And until that changes, Hollywood's going to keep doing what they're doing. This is just a problem. Like, you can't put it on Hollywood. You can't put it on the society. It's a circular thing going on here. That sounds like closing arguments to me, Joel. What do you think? Is that that where we're headed? Yeah, yeah. 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 You want to? So the argument, didn't you have questions you were going to ask us or something like that? I have. I've just weaved them in. So Wow. So smooth. You didn't even know. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're smoother than Santana and Rob Thomas. <laughs> or Natalie Portman's skin. In well. Your skin's so soft and smooth. <laughs> oh. By the way, shout, we, out, shout out to we, Star Wars Episode 2. We had a comment two. about Joel's quote, which he was reading off the computer that you got. Yeah. He said smooth and soft, not soft and smooth, oh. or whatever it was. One of our listeners. We got called on that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And please, go to, go to BaconCell.com and comment on these episodes, because we do enjoy seeing your comments, and we do like to interact and make fun of you. And uh, people have asked for yes. an entirely musical episode. Well, they haven't asked. They just said, why don't we just, why, why stop kidding ourselves and just singing an entire episode? Well, because I think none of us are singers and that would get us more criticism than anything. Season <laughs> season 10. Season 10? Season yeah. ten? What yeah, season are we on now? Just one. Oh, I well, I was get say, renewed. Didn't I, Buffy did theirs in season four, right? Musical episode? Six. Was it six? Yeah. Oh, it is six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Kent, do you have any final? You know, I, I've said my piece. I do think that... If there is someone to blame for this, and you say no one's to blame. It's Obama. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> I think it's Marvel uh, and Marvel movies. And and it, they're not going to be maybe the ones that kill it in the end. But I Wait, think to blame? What, what about to blame? They're Michael in, Bay? Oh, my gosh. We haven't even gone into Michael Bay. I, I try not to think about him at all. <laughs> because, and that was my point with... The I do like The Rock. The Marvel movies being, yeah, The Rock's okay. Yeah. The Marvel and The Island is okay. It's okay. It's a remake of uh, Parts of the Clonus Horror, but whatever. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Well done. Um, but Marvel movies are good enough, whereas Transformer movies still make so much money, and there's no value to them whatsoever. Yeah, they're literally And that's terrible. why blockbusters are mind-boggling, because they can be big, loud, and explosive, and be, oh, okay. Or, why do they keep making these movies? So... You know, okay, anyway, so I think Marvel will continue to do what they're doing, and now they have created these extended universes. By the way, Transformers is now working on their own expanded universe. <laughs> they're going to include the GoBots? Oh, the Walking Dead guy is in charge <laughs> yeah, of Robert yeah. Kirkman is oh, writing man. the next one. Yeah. Well, he'll get laid off after the first uh, episode, so. They don't lay people off. They're like, that movie made $1 billion, and you basically, I don't want to say Just any. plan explosions and CGI. Fecal-related words on this show anymore, but you basically <laughs> did that on a movie screen. Fecal-related words. <laughs> no, that's a quote. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think with the, what Marvel has done and the success they found, I mean, T-shirts are everywhere. It, it's you don't want people to wear shirts. I'm, no, I'm saying Let the record show Kent does not want people to wear shirts. Shirts and skins, man. I'm all about skins. So there's still shirts and shirts and skins. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just... The marketing has gone crazy, and then DC is like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to do two movies a year, too. And then it won't stop until finally society will say, you know what? Maybe we need a Western again. Maybe we need a slower movie or a movie where, think, where a city doesn't get destroyed in the a end. A Western with explosions. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that the time will come where people will scoff a little bit at the, the culture that we're living in now. I think it will be a little bit like hippies, where you look at hippies and you're like, hey, that was a fun time, and they named their kid Rainbow, and Rainbow (laughs) divorced himself from his parents. 
because he hates them. Yeah. I think there will be kids named... There's another quote. <laughs> there will be kids named Chewbacca who will be like, yeah, my parents were morons. Yeah. They couldn't grow up. Do you think anyone possible. actually has named their kid Chewbacca? I hope so. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure somebody has. Not Chewbacca. At least the middle name. But it will be like some random character Chewy. from the Star Wars universe. Akbar. Akbar. Admiral Akbar. All right, let's close up. Wait, is it? I thought I got, I, I got closing. You did yours. yours. You already did yours. But you if didn't you tell me one. I was doing my closing argument until after you gave me right. part two. Part right, two. Go, go ahead. ahead. Thank you. All I'm saying. Make it snappy. <laughs> I think that that movies are escapism, and I think that art is subjective. And I feel like that people there's people who want these blockbusters, and they're paying good money for them. I don't think it's a problem. I think it's a trend. And I think like any trend, it's going to die out naturally. And so to sit there and rally against it and say, this is infantilizing and anthropomorphizing. (laughs) No one said anthropomorphizing. (laughs) (laughs) But to say that, to say that it's ruining society, I'm like, you know, Simon Pegg, he says, you know, more people tweeted about, you know, Batman versus Superman than Nepalese earthquake. And I'm like, you know what? Social media it's kind of for fun anyway. This isn't some sort of serious medium. This is social media. That's true. And so people can use it what they want. People are going to talk about entertaining things because there are hardships in the world and there are problems in the world. Mm-hmm. And the way to get away is by talking about something that's fictional, talking about something that's not real, escaping for a little bit from the, from the world. So I don't think it's a problem, Simon Pegg. I think people... I'm addressing him because he's going to be listening to the show. <laughs> By the way, I loved your Shaun of the Dead movie. Loved it. By the way, Simon, if you want to run upstairs with a nerd flag or whatever, and it's <laughs> whatever Joel in. was proposing, I'm, I'm in. Simon Pegg, don't worry about it. It's going to die out. It's going to be another trend, and we'll get another trend of another sort of genre, and then we'll be fine. So don't worry about it. Well said, Joel. And so you're saying TV... Is maybe the route for I'm saying the best dramas right now are on TV and unforgettable content. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think TV and TV gives a, a TV series gives you so much more to do character arcs and mm-hmm. story arcs and story arcs story arcs and it, it gives you much more room to grow. I think a lot of creative minds are leaning towards that now. Some of the best dramas are on TV. Are you talking about girls again? No. Nobody's Never. talking about girls. By the way, Jake loves girls. No, no, uh, I do not. The, t- <laughs> the TV yeah, show. It's, it's a- t- let's clarify. It's the TV no, show. No, we don't need to clarify because he just does. <laughs> That's true. I guess he loves girls. A in defamatory too, statement. But, yes, um, but I think that yeah. Let, let's not be too stressed out of this because the movies are escapism and people are going to pay for the blockbusters because that's what you need to see on a big screen is big action. It's just one of the reasons I. Enjoy film so much is because there is he were getting closing arguments again. Yeah, it part kind of three. seems that way. Yeah, is because there were movies that challenged I feel like the me. Lord of the Rings, where it keeps just ending and ending. <laughs> <laughs> there were movies that challenged me, and that's the reason I care about film is because I went in to see a simple movie and I walked out going, "Wow, I think my like Simon Peck says my perspective on the world has changed just a little." So bit. what you're saying is you should go into every movie with low expectations. No, I'm saying read it, read Crime and Punishment, and read Dean Koontz. <laughs> And then read Crime and Punishment and read some other simple book. I mean, it's Why just, are you reading Crime and Punishment over and over again? Because I didn't understand it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I read it in Russian. Why? But just have a balance, but expect good things. As the audience, you should expect greatness every once in a while. You should expect good things, but if you want good things, write them yourself. Because otherwise, they're not going to happen that in Hollywood. strangely motivational. Yeah, Thank you, Joel. That was good. That yeah. was good. All right. I think we've covered that enough. So I think we, we should have. close it up shop. Close up shop. Um, close it up shop. Close I'm up about shop. to. Close it up shop. That's what I was born to do. <laughs> Thanks for so screaming that song. That's right warming up, Chris. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm Kent. I'm Joel. And Jacob. Thanks for listening. Do 
<laughs> I was gonna do an ending, but it's Ken's turn. Close up. It's Ken's turn to we close finish up the each other's sentences. <laughs> we finish each other's bacon and sale. Let's read some Chaucer together, shall we? Then people have to come up to my chest and just stare at it, and I'd be like, "Hey, I'm up here." They do. I think I brought up fan fiction, and then both of your gutter minds went into Fifty Shades of Grey territory. I want to see his baffled face. I love that movie. Whoa! What to the senses? A joke. Oh, there's a joke. You're smoother than Santana and Rob Thomas. No. By the way, Jake loves girls. No. Yay!